Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. On today's episode, we take a quick look at an unusual story about a photographer from Norway, Maine. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Today I want to give you just a quick look at a story I ran across when I was doing research for Miss Minnie Libby. The story has just a quick, brief connection to Miss Libby, because it's really about what happened to a fellow photographer there in Norway, a man named John Wesley Swan. Now, when I do research in the digitized newspapers online, I'll often do a keyword search like photographer and maybe the town that they're in, like Norway, Maine. And doing that kind of search in the 1890s pulled up something, well, let me just read you a bit. Dateline, Boston, December 8th, 1893. Headline, Police Puzzled, Subhead, by the Strange Disappearance of Photographer Swan of Norway, Maine. John Wesley Swan, a photographer of Norway, Maine, came to Boston about a month ago, remained in the city four days, and then dropped out of sight. It is one of the most mysterious cases with which the police have had to deal with for some time. So John Wesley Swan had been a photographer in Norway, Maine, starting in the 1880s. In the mid to late 1880s, he actually opened up a studio called The Cottage Studio with a man named J.U.P. Burnham. Now, if you listen to the Miss Libby episode, you may recognize that name. J.U.P. Burnham was Miss Libby's mentor. She started working for him as a photographer in 1882, eventually going off on her own in 1885. So Burnham and Swan run this cottage studio, but then by 1893, Swan has gone off on his own. He's got his own studio in Norway, Maine, as well as another location in Island Pond, Vermont. Now, at the time of his disappearance, he's actually a quite successful photographer. He doesn't have any financial difficulties, according to the police investigation. His business is doing well. His home life is very happy. By all accounts, he and his wife are very happily married, and he adores, actually, the the newspaper article actually says, worships his two children. He doesn't have a business partner there in Norway, Maine, so there is no suspicion of foul play in terms of a personal grudge or anything. But the police decide that he has no reason to disappear on his own either. So friends and family and the police are kind of torn between the idea of an accidental death where his body just wasn't identified before it was buried, um, or maybe he was the victim of foul play, robbed of his money and murdered, again, body buried, never to be found. These were the theories that were predominant on in 1893, and there are newspaper accounts of this uh, picked up by the wire services all over the place, um, whatever happened to John Wesley Swan. The newspaper article that I found from the Lowell Sun in Massachusetts is actually quite extensive because it was quite the curiosity that this photographer disappeared. 
1894, they do a follow-up story, and they say, you know, that was never solved. They never did find a body, but foul play is definitely suspected because there was absolutely no reason for him to have disappeared. But then I ran across an article from 1896. Now, as I said, he had a location in Norway, but he also had a location in Island Pond, Vermont. So there's an article. Well, let me read it to you. This is from March 1896. And it says, J.W. Swan, a photographer of Island Pond, who suddenly disappeared many months ago, has been heard from. He is in Texas, and he writes to his friends that he is ignorant of all that happened to him after leaving Boston until he found himself in New Orleans and ill. After regaining his health, he went to Texas, where he's following his old occupation. He has written for his wife and children to join him. Well, didn't see that coming. So the story that he tells people is that he was robbed there in Boston, and somehow he winds up waking up without his memory in New Orleans, and he's sick. So it takes him a while to recover, but he's got amnesia, and so he wanders to Texas and becomes a photographer. And then apparently at some point in the early part of 1896, he regains his memory, and he writes to his wife and says, I'm a photographer here. Come join me with, you know, and bring the kids. Well, it doesn't quite work out that way because the next thing you know, he is back in Norway operating the rebuilt cottage studio with a man named Clarence Pike. Now, you see, while John Swan was gone in 1894, there was a big fire. It's called the Great Fire of Norway. And a lot of the businesses in town were destroyed or partially destroyed by the fire. And so the cottage studio was one of them. And that is rebuilt by this photographer named Clarence Pike. And Pike and Swan wind up running the cottage studio starting in late 1896. The people in Norway were not quite sure what to make of John Swan's story. Um, they did think that maybe there was more to the story than he got amnesia and then conveniently remembered how to be a photographer there in Texas, but not who he was for a while. Well, people didn't have any specific evidence to point to, and they did like his wife and kids, and his wife took him back. In 1900, his wife and children are living with him in Norway, he is at that point running his own studio again, very successfully. And so apparently the people in Norway, even though they might have been skeptical about the story, they forgave him. He ultimately has a bit of bad luck. Uh, his studio burns down in 1900 and he moves to Montreal. Now, he was actually Canadian originally, and so he just is moving back to where he was from. His brother had actually come from Montreal back in 1893 to help the police search for him in Boston. Um, anyway, he... He and his family moved to Montreal, where he is a successful photographer until his death in 1913. It's really kind of an incredible little story. Um, and I like how there are these little side connections with Miss Libby. As I said, uh, Burnham and Swan were the first proprietors of the cottage studio in the mid-1880s. And Miss Libby, of course, had worked for Mr. Burnham. And then... Pike and Swan were the proprietors of the cottage studio uh, after 1896 until Swan goes off on his own. But the funny thing is that Pike continues to own that building until 1903. 
He rents it to a man named Wiggins Merrill, but then ultimately, of course, he sells it to Miss Libby. Anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because these are the kind of story that I sometimes run across, but I can't quite work into my main narrative. But I do find it incredible that you can find all these curious stories there in the old newspapers. By the way, on my website, I'll put up a couple of examples of the Burnham and Swan and also Swan's work. Like Miss Libby, they were very successful everyday photographers running studios and taking pictures there in Norway, Maine. Well, that's it for today's extra on John Wesley Swan and his strange disappearance in 1893. As always, check out my website for other information and updates at p3photographers.net. Or drop me a line at podcast at p3photographers.net and let me know if you have any questions or concerns about strange stories that you've run across that you'd like to hear profiled here on podcast. You can also check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash p3photographers. I hope you've enjoyed this foray into something that wasn't purely a women photographer. Until next time, I'm Lee McIntyre, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. <laughs>